You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 31. The Bible says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Verse 32, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither were there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is, being interpreted, the son of Consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And let's pray. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the music we've enjoyed and the the spirit of this service. I thank you for the fellowship with your people. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd speak to our hearts as we look at your word in these few moments that we're together. I thank you for our church. And Lord, I love this church. And I'm so thankful that You called my wife and I and our family to serve in this place. And Lord, I pray we'd never take for granted what we have in this church. And I pray that we would be all that you'd have us to be, that we might see the church continue to go forward, to grow, to reach more people, to make an impact in this community, and to make an impact around the world through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray in his precious name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're talking this morning about the church. I've started a series on Wednesday nights about the church. That's our theme for 2022, the church. This morning, I'd like to preach for a few moments on the way church ought to be. Tonight, I'll preach another message from the book of Acts 5 about the seriousness of the church. And by the way, I don't think church is just a game. I don't think church is just something we, we, we go through the motions. I think it's important what we do, and I think there's a reason for it. But this morning, I want you to see in the book of Acts, just very quickly, you'll turn back with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 47. I want you to see the way church ought to be. Now, Jesus started the church, but it's not till we get to the book of Acts that we really see the church is growing and the church is is having people added and the church is functioning in the manner in which God intended. Verse 47, the Bible says that they were praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Can I tell you the way church ought to be? There ought to be people getting saved. There ought to be people coming and being added to the church like we did today. We had Miss Carol that joined the church. We had, uh, we've had folks that have been saved. They've been baptized. They're added to the church. And then we want to see people grow and go out and tell other people. That's the way church ought to be. 
But notice verse 47, it says they were praising God. That ought to be true of every church service we have. There ought to be a whole lot of praising going on. And by the way, don't wait till Sunday morning to praise God. You ought to praise Him on Monday morning too. And Tuesday and Wednesday and every day of the week, we ought to praise God. That's why we're here, to glorify Him. But then notice verse 47. When they were praising God, the Bible says they were having favor with all the people. Now, I'm not saying that if you're a, a, a church member and you're a born-again Christian and you're sold out for Christ, I'm not saying you're going to get along with everybody. I understand that. But did you know that as Christians, we ought to try to get along with people? I know that sounds like a novel idea because I've known Christians that they thought it was their responsibility to be mean, to be ugly, to be depressed, to be angry, to lash out. Friend, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but I haven't found that verse yet. But I know that God's people ought to be kind. We ought to love one another. Say, what about the people that don't like me? Yeah, you ought to love them too. The Bible says, love your enemies, do good to them that despitefully use you and persecute you. But we see they were praising God and the Lord added to the church. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible says, and being let go, they were let go from prison after they uh, had been preaching, they got locked up. In verse 23, they were let go and they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, they began to have a praise service. Now, you know what most of us would do if we had been locked up in jail and we got to come home and we came to church, we'd be gathering a pity party. We'd be sending out invitations. Oh, we'd be calling everybody together. Oh, you got to hear how bad it is. Oh, you got to hear how much I've been through for Christ. That's not what they were doing. You know what they said? Let's just praise God for how good he is. Let's praise God for all he's done. We see the way church ought to be, number one, it ought to be a place of praise. Can I tell you, when you and I come to church, I hope you lift up your voice in praise and song. I hope before church and after church, I hope we're sharing praises. I hope we're sharing blessings. I hope we're sharing answers to prayer and sharing how good God's been. That's the way church ought to be. Number two, I want you to notice verse 31. There ought, there's got to be and there must be a place. It says in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. That's what the church is. It's an assembly of called out believers. We've been saved out of this world. We've been saved to fellowship and to unite together uh, uh, under the, the authority of the word of God. And there must be a place. I'm thankful for this place right here. I'm thankful for Victory Baptist Church, 2360, Bowling Road, Roanoke Rapids. You know what I love about it? I love the fact that you can count on it. Sunday morning, 845, we're having church. Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we're having Sunday school. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, we're having church again. Sunday night, 6 o'clock, we're having church. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're having church. Say, boy, don't you do anything else around here? Well, once in a while, but then sometimes we have church other nights too. It's great. But isn't it wonderful when you're having a hard week, you're getting beat up by the world and the flesh and the devil, 
and you just feel like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then Sunday comes along and you get up and you sometimes you drag yourself to church, but you get to church. And once you get to church, you're glad you came because you feel the presence of God and you get to be with the people of God and you get to be around uh, your church family believers that also have been through the same struggles you've been through. They know what you're dealing with and you can be in the same place and we can encourage one another. That's the way church ought to be. Number one, I see the praise. Number two, I see the place. Number three, I see there was prayer. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. I want to tell you, the church ought to be a place of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called an house of prayer. Now, I'll tell you, say, well, pastor, I don't know. We didn't spend a lot of time praying in service this morning. I understand that. But I tell you what, that's why we've got a men's prayer meeting on Sunday evening. That's why we've got a Wednesday night prayer meeting. That's why we have a prayer list. That's why we have a prayer group. Because praying, it is not just done at church. Praying ought to be done everywhere you go. Prayer ought to be done every day when you get alone with God and you talk to God. Say, well, pastor, why don't we see the place shaken because of prayer? I believe it's because we don't do a lot of praying until we get to church. I think if there's private prayer, I think then the public prayer is going to be powerful. But there must be time that you get alone with God. There must be time that you pray and you cry out to God every day. Maybe it's in the morning when you get up at your house. Maybe it's in the car as you're driving to work. Maybe it's on a, a lunch break. Maybe it's in the evening when, when things quiet down. But you've got to have a place where you pray. You can't just skip prayer. You can't just forget about prayer. There must be prayer in the church. Charles Spurgeon, the great uh, a preacher of yesteryear, he was called the Prince of Preachers. He had the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. They would fill that auditorium several times on Sundays with thousands of people and still people would be turned away. His sermons were printed in all of the newspapers, not just in London, but around the world. Every week, his sermons were printed in that paper. People would come and people would get a tour of that huge, beautiful, magnificent building there in London. As people would ask uh, Spurgeon questions and as people would begin to inquire about the workings of the church, he would sometimes on that tour take them to a room under the platform and as he opened the door to that room under the platform, he would share with the people that he was guiding on that tour, he would share that that was the power room. Now, that's not where the electrical panels were. That's not where all the wiring was. But that was the place under the platform where every service that Spurgeon preached, there were men on their knees praying and begging for the power of God. Can I tell you why we don't see a shaking? It's because we're not doing a whole lot of praying. I think we're doing a lot of playing in many churches, but not a lot of praying. But the power of God does not fall, and the church is not what God intends for it to be unless we get back to prayer. When they had prayed, the place was shaken. I want you to notice, number four, not only the, the praise and the place and the prayer, but number four, I see the power. The place was shaken. Now, I would dare say if this building started shaking right now, I think it'd scare most of us. 
I think most of us would be hightailing it out of here. And can I tell you, I'm not saying the building's going to start shaking, but I'll say this. There ought to be an evident move of God in the church. You ought to be able to sit in the church and you ought to be able to know that the Spirit of God is here. You ought to be able to hear the singing and you ought to be able to, to be in this place and to know that something is different. It's different than Walmart. It's different than the grocery store. It's different than the park. It's different than uh, uh, the, the restaurant. This is a place that is special because this is where God meets with His people. There must be the power of God. I think we need a shaking. We become so comfortable. We become so complacent. And by the way, my hand is up. I'm included in this. And I admit that sometimes if we're not careful, we just come to church and we just go through the motions. We just show up at church because that's what we do every week. We just sing the songs because that's what we do. And we just listen to the preaching because that's what we do. But can I tell you, there ought to be God working and there ought to be something that takes place when we meet in this place to worship the Lord. There's the power of God, the shaking. But then notice number five, I see the presence of God. It says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the presence of God. Can I remind you this morning that the preacher is not the only one that should have the Holy Spirit of God working. It's not just the staff. The Bible doesn't say, and the deacons were filled with the Spirit, and the Sunday school teachers were filled, and the choir. No, no, no. It says, and they were all. Everybody that was there in that place, they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Friend, I want to tell you this morning that it is a command for every Christian to be filled with the Spirit. You say, how do I get filled with the Spirit? Well, first, you got to be empty of yourself. You got to confess your sin. You got to get right with God. And then you say, Lord, take control of my life. I yield myself to you. I don't want to have my own agenda. I don't want to have my own plans. God, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I want to be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God every single day, the presence of God. I see number six, the preaching. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, I'm amazed at the boldness sometimes that we have about our opinions. I'm amazed how people will be so bold about their sports team, their favorite restaurant, their favorite this, their favorite hobby. Oh, and they're the authority. And oh, listen, I'm going to tell you what I know about. Oh, I'm, I don't know about all that, but I know this. We ought to have boldness when it comes to the preaching and the sharing and the giving out of the word of God. Proverbs says the righteous are bold as a lion. Ephesians 6, Paul said, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You see in verse number 29, we see that verse 31 is an, a specific answer to their prayer. Verse 29, they prayed and said, now Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And in verse 31, God answered that prayer. That ought to be a prayer that we pray. We ought to say, Lord, give me boldness. 
Give me boldness this week to be a witness to my neighbor. Give me boldness this week to be a testimony to my coworker. God, give me boldness to share the gospel. Give me boldness to share the word of God. We see that in the, in the church, the way the church ought to be, there's the preaching of the word of God with boldness. Number seven, I see the way church ought to be that there's peace. The Bible says in verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. I understand that churches go through difficult times. I understand that. And I understand that if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably experienced some places or you've experienced some situations where there wasn't peace in a church. But can I tell you, it was never God's plan for church members to be fighting one another. It was never God's plan for church members to be criticizing one another. It was never God's intention for people to come to church and to pick apart the Sunday school teacher and pick apart the music director and pick apart the Sunday school teacher. It was never God's intention for church members to show up and do nothing but critique and criticize everybody who's trying to do something for God. That wasn't God's plan. And by the way, if that's your ministry, you need to find another place to have that ministry because that's not the ministry we need here. We don't need the ministry of criticism. We need the ministry of encouragement. We need somebody that'll say, hey, I want to be a help. I want to have one spirit and one heart, and I want to have peace. I want to have unity. Uh, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So, well, Pastor, who are you preaching this message at? Nobody. Because I don't know of anybody that's doing that, but I'll tell you one thing. That's not pleasing to God. And may God help us to have peace. May God help us to do church the way that God intended for it to be done. The Bible says that because they had peace, verse 33, then they had great power, and then they experienced great grace. And then I see number eight. I see lastly, I see that the way church ought to be is there should be and there must be participation. Now, now stay with me. I know what time it is, and I'm wrapping it up, but I need you to listen uh, and follow me here. The Bible says in verse 34, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses, they sold them, and they brought the prices of the things that were sold, and they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. You know what everybody was doing? They were all giving. They were all sacrificing. They were all participating. They were all getting involved. And can I tell you, that's the way church ought to be. Church ought not be a handful of people doing all the work and a handful of people running everything. It ought to be everybody serving together and working together for the Lord's work. There must be participation. But then notice verse 36. Out of all these people, uh, by the way, and, and the apostles, they were there. But out of all these people that were assembled, all these people that were a part of the church, there's one man who is named specifically. And I want you to notice why he was named. It says in verse 36, his name was Joseph. But we don't know him by that name because he got himself a nickname. The apostle said, Joseph just doesn't fit. Joseph, the name Joseph means exalted. But the apostle said, that's not what he does. He's not exalting himself. 
he's helping everybody else. He's encouraging everybody else. They said, we're going to name him Barnabas, which means the son of consolation or the son of encouragement. Wouldn't that be great if you're at church and you're talking to somebody and you say, hey, you know, brother so-and-so, man, I don't remember his name, but I know one thing, he is always encouraging everybody. Hey, sister so-and-so, you know that one, that one that sits over there? Uh, oh, man, I can't remember her name. But I'll tell you what, every time I talk to her, she's got something encouraging to say. Well, pastor, I don't think people here at Victory Baptist Church, I don't think people need encouragement. I think everybody's got it all together here. I'm not sure who you've been talking to. I'm not sure what planet you've been living on. But I'll tell you one thing. Everybody at this church needs encouragement. And by the way, that's why you're here today, if you're honest. We all need encouragement. Well, Barnabas saw the need. And Barnabas said, I can fill that role. They said, well, we don't have that on the list. You know, that's not the piano player or the organist or that's not the song leader. That's not the, uh, that's not the usher. That's not the choir member. That's not the one playing the guitar or playing the, the mandolin. That's, that's not the one we've got. And he said, oh, how about we get a new title? He said, how about you just sign me up on the list? I'll be in the encouragement ministry. Guess what? Everybody can be a part of that ministry. Because that doesn't take any talent. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take brains. It doesn't take good looks. It doesn't even take a full head of hair. See, that's my ministry for some of you. I encourage a lot of you because you think you're having a bad, bad hair day and then you see my head and you say, no, it's not that bad. But can I tell you, that is the, that is the purpose of the church is to encourage. You know the verse. I won't have you turn there for sake of time, but you know it. It's Hebrews 10, 25. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As we leave here today, I want to encourage you to love your church. I want to encourage you to give of yourself to your church and your ministry. But I want to ask everybody here today to sign up for a new ministry. It's the ministry of encouragement. I want to ask you, every time you step on this property, would you look for people that need encouragement? Would you, would you, would you pray that God would lead you to somebody that could get some encouragement? Say, well, I'll do that when I'm on the property, but when I'm off the property, no problem. Oh, no, no, no. We need you when you're off the property too. We need you to use that phone to encourage people. We need you to use those legs to, 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 to walk to somebody's house and, and help somebody, encourage somebody. We need you to use those hands to, maybe you can fix something or maybe you can bake something or maybe you can do something for somebody that needs some encouragement. But I'm asking you and I'm begging you today, would you please help me to get back to the way church ought to be where we encourage one another. You say, well, Pastor... When I come to church, I've just got to deal with all the problems here. And I've got my list. You know, I need to talk to brother so-and-so about this because he owes me money. And I got to talk to this guy about this because he's supposed to fix something. And I got to talk to this guy because he's supposed to do my old change. Uh, do that on Monday. 
But when you come to church, would you come with a desire to encourage somebody? And as you and I, as we encourage others, guess what we're going to find? We're going to be encouraged. We're going to find that as we seek to meet the needs of others, we're going to find that God's going to do something in us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.